Welcome to Rocktanica, dudes. <laughs> this is a rock history podcast, and I am your host, Dallas Gilmore, and I am joined in the studio today by Alex Van Bronckhorst. Hello. And Zach Kukukukwalski. Hey, hey. It's Kowalski. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for I the see clarification. How it, see how I made it more fun, though? Oh, yeah. So much more fun. Yeah. I, am, I am fucking juiced. <laughs> juiced, saving time, having great... We're covering Sid Barrett today, folks. <laughs> I can't bear it. I know Whoa. nothing about this guy. As per usual, I uh, yeah. did no research. Yeah. Because that's how I like going into these. Exactly. I listened to the I listened to the playlist. I did, yeah. Uh, yeah. Other than that, um I know that he is a founding member of Pink Floyd and he was sad. That's all I know. That's, that's about the basis of my knowledge as well. <laughs> he wasn't always sad, but we're going to figure out why he became sad. Mm. He so, realized he could not grow up to be a Tyrannosaurus Rex. And his dreams were crushed. I mean, we all deal with that, Alex. I think, but. I think he wanted to be an effervescent elephant, but he never got to be that either. Mm, sad. It's a shame. Yeah. <laughs> He is really well. So Sid Barrett was the founding member of Pink Floyd, for those who don't know, and contributed to some of the most haunting and psychedelic songs of all time. He provided the early days of Pink Floyd with a plethora of charisma and was a pioneer in his own right when it came to songwriting. Unfortunately, a drug-induced breakdown, coupled with underlying mental illness, crippled his brain bone. That's uh, that's you very have, unfortunate. If he has bones in his brain, that's probably part of the problem. Hmm. But he still went on to make great music, and we're going to talk about it. Well, you Sweet. know, great great art comes from great tragedy. So, not yeah, necessarily. <laughs> I'm I'm here to advocate that just because you're an artist doesn't mean you need to be tortured. That's true. And great art does not necessarily come from suffering. <laughs> but it helps. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's one thing that I wanted to talk about as well is how. M- I don't think most people would say yes, but I think a, a lot of people would say yes if they could, um, hey, here, you're, you're 14, sign on the dotted line. By the time you're 27, you're going to be really fucked up or dead, but you'll have a crazy, forever lasting legacy mark on the history of music. I mean, we have that. It's just the NFL replaced music with football, and that's basically what you're doing. Ooh, yeah, because they, yeah. they just get all sad uh-huh. when they're done because they were rich. And we were talking about that too earlier <laughs> where like you make a bunch of money too early and then you never make that much money again and you're super depressed. Yep, 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 <laughs> yep, yep. And no one taught you how to save anything uh, because no, we don't teach our children how to do that at all. Ah, it's like <laughs> I'm talking to myself. Isn't it? <laughs> Sadness. Yeah. <laughs> anyway... Barrett was born on the 6th of January, 1946, as Roger Keith Barrett in Cambridge to a middle-class family. He was the fourth of five children. Barrett started out playing piano occasionally, like like yeah. Alex did mm-hmm. when like he was a little, a little sprout. Bling, 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 bling. But he usually preferred writing and drawing. <laughs> Beautiful. Just now. Thank you. <laughs> he got a ukulele at 10 a banjo at 11, and a Hofner acoustic guitar at age 14. year after that, he got his first electrical guitar and built his own amplifier. So that's kind of fun. Back yeah. when you could do that, because yeah, right. it uses vacuum tubes. <laughs> just buy the tubes, hey, plug them in. Like, why, does the, why doesn't the vacuum work, Sid? Uh, I built an amp out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Not These the floors thing, are filthy. But, <laughs> <laughs> but they sound so good. <laughs> like... And it kind of when I was a um, when a teenager or whatever you call that age range, um, 
I got my first acoustic and then a year later I just built an electric guitar because I was lucky enough to have a dad with a wood shop. Nice. Yeah. Hmm. It nice. sucks. <laughs> and it's in the closet. Turns out Dallas is not a craftsman. <laughs> well, the first one's never good. Yeah, you know. <laughs> well, that's not always true, but <laughs> so unfortunately we're just fast forwarding here his father died of cancer on a, the 11th of december in 1961 less than a month before barrett's 16th birthday as a lot of the tragic artists we talk about this is a pretty big the first big negative turning point in his life by this time his brothers and sisters have all left home and his mother decided to rent out the rooms to lodgers so sid was then subjected to a revolving cast of folks in the house and that Random gets characters weird and- <laughs> kind of like the bad version of forrest gump mm. you know when he goes home and she rents all the rooms otherwise out. known as forrest gump i'm yeah. kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> Or like a weirder version of Hey Arnold. No, the bad version of Forrest Gump is called The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Written so, by the same person. It's the same movie, except with an aging MacGuffin. So you guys are aware that they wrote a, a sequel book to Forrest Gump. Oh, I sure as fuck. I've read that book. You read it? <laughs> yeah, dude. Why don't oh, you tell the audience about yeah, it? What because is it that's totally oh, called, relevant. <laughs> it is called Gump and Company. And oh, my God. Forrest Gump goes into space with a monkey and Raquel Welsh, I believe. <laughs> What the fuck? It is a, it is insane, and you can get it at the library. <laughs> yeah. So instead of filming that movie, Tom Hanks went on to do Apollo 13. <laughs> Let's say that's a good choice. He went to the better space movie. Yeah, I really oh, love how that movie. the greats have fallen. Barrett went on to be a young... <laughs> he was the kind of the young, bright light of the music scene in Cambridge. So he played a lot of little backyard parties and benefit concerts and whatnot. I don't know why I just went into this. Yeah, why the hell are you talking like something? I've got a bike. (laughs) (laughs) It has a seat. Its name is Steve. I thought we were quite right. I had a girlfriend. (laughs) She didn't like the songs that I wrote. She said they were no good. I was then very sad. So before then, he was typically <laughs> the beautiful, charismatic, funny friend that everybody loved in this like in this little neighborhood and his friend group. He was a little re- gregarious little musician guy running around all over Cambridge. Yeah, exactly. Fun, fun, super fun. And uh, so he he kind of grew up on and off with David Gilmore and Roger Waters, who a lot of folks will obviously know from the the Pink Floyd, Pink Floyd later on, <laughs> the and famous Dick, money making one. Yeah, that one, <laughs> the one that didn't end in tragedy and <laughs> mental illness and overdoses. <laughs> well, yeah, not the overdoses. A foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah, we may or may not cover them in like two years. <laughs> <laughs> but it was not until 1965 that Pink Floyd was born in its original state, and that summer, Sid had his first LSD trip. That was actually filmed by one of his friends, and you can watch it on YouTube. Huh. Really? Interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> huh. A little cuts of it. It's pretty exactly what you would expect. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> a, yeah, it's a teenager f- uh, fucked up on acid. He's like sitting in the corner like, I've got a body. His name is Frank. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about, Sid? <laughs> it's going to be a hit. <laughs> I have a tray of gingerbread men. Oh, yeah, so uh, obviously like the early days of Pink Floyd... We had a, a lead guitar player named Bob Close, and before Pink Floyd recorded anything or really wrote anything, they would just kind of go over to each other's house and then play 
for like an hour and a half. Just 12 bar blues. Anybody who plays oh. guitar will okay, know what sorry, the yeah. 12 bar blues is. <laughs> blank, blank expression. Qua? What? Okay. So Sid named the band Pink Floyd after two blues dudes, obviously, right? So Pink Anderson and Floyd Castle. Um, you cool. can go look them up. I didn't really find too much on them, but I'm sure they were great in their own right. So Neat. <laughs> yep. Sid Barrett played guitar and sang. Nick Mason was on drums. Roger Waters was on bass and vocals. And like I said, Bob Close was on lead guitar originally. However, they departed and kind of fast forwarding through his departure. That's when they got into their psychedelic sound because mm. they're like, I want the music to sound like what I see on LSD. <laughs> so, well, I think they fucking nailed it. <laughs> yeah, they really did. <laughs> they did a great job. And so it was it was just Roger, Nixon and Sid. For quite a while, and David Gilmore would come into play a little later, which we will talk about. So, in the early days of Pink Floyd, they all move in together, and they start playing local shows and looking to record. Classic band, you know, early yeah, band you know. story. Mm-hmm. Everyone lives together in a rundown shack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they lived in some guy's house on the on the ground floor, and I'm sure they just kind of did a weird living room arrangement where they just kind of all slept wherever and. You know, fun, fun sixties rock and roll stuff. I oh, I've got how bad his <laughs> name is. Fred. God damn it, Sid! Shut the fuck up. We're trying to sleep. <laughs> this like, isn't too. He's not that bad yet. <laughs> he's doing okay. He's he's the happy, charismatic guy. Oh yeah, those guys are never sad on the inside. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Says the comedian. <laughs> So in 1966, Pink Floyd started playing gigs in the um, Cambridge underground scene. And if you were to walk into one of their early shows, it'd likely be pitch black with a few like lights shining on the stage with the little like laminate film thing covering uh, it like to make the colors. colors. Ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah, those are pretty neat. Uh, those are called gels for the people you know, outside of the huh. lighting industry. Oh, that's right. You were in production for a long time. Mm-hmm. Different colored gels. Mm. Mm. Yes. So Sid would be up front and center with his hair hanging down in front of his face. The original emo. Yes. Yeah, really. But he gets kind of gothic later, too. Mm. It's fun. Psychedelic emo. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so he's got a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. And he just he's holding the Zippo lighter he used to recently smoke his seventh cigarette to drag it across the strings. And it's like an impromptu slide guitar. Huh. And it would just like taking the metal casing of the Zippo Mm -hmm. like a slide. slide. Okay, cool. Hmm. Yep. Very rock and roll. Yep. Crazy, like erratic pitches and weird psychedelic jazz things going on yeah he's just fucking around so. yeah <laughs> but it sounds really cool and then all of a sudden they break into like a like a semi-pop Polka. song oh. <laughs> and then they just go back to playing for 20 minutes you know how yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when arnold lane was played at the ufo club which apparently is pronounced ufo and I'm, someone's gonna get me in trouble for ufo that. <laughs> ufo ufo whatever the fuck <laughs> um they were heard by this gentleman named joe boyd in the audience and he picked up their tape you know, I would like to buy one tape, please. <laughs> I would tape. like to buy one tape, please. <laughs> Seven pence. And so he brought it back, and Arnold it Lane... It would be delicious. <laughs> Arnold Lane became their first uh, EP, and that was kind of what kick-started their career. Yeah. I do Yay, like that song. Arnold yeah. Lane. I'm, yeah. making, I'm making relentless fun of Sid Barrett's song, Bike. Um, <laughs> but I will say, of the playlist, I liked most of it. I did, yeah. I enjoyed most of it. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. also Arnold not Lane a fan. Is also, is also a fun song. Well, <laughs> let's like, talk about that song. Yeah. 
do it. Okay. So it was Pink Floyd's like first, you know, you know, hit their EP. Everybody's got it. They're like, look at this super hot dude who plays guitar, wrote a cool song. Was he super hot? Did you look at pictures of him? No. I didn't know. Should I? I'll show you later. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm going to do it right now. Do it. I'm going to multitask. I'm going to pull out my, this, that slapping sound is my phone. My phone makes slapping sounds. You should get that looked at. No. <laughs> <laughs> so Arnold Lane, I, I looked up the lyrics because like a lot of early Pink Floyd songs, you don't really... Th- at least when I listen to them, I don't really particularly th- think about the lyrics. No, when I was 14 getting you know stoned in my in yeah. parents' basement for the first time, I didn't really think about the... <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Exactly. <laughs> the song starts out with Arnold Lane had a strange hobby, collecting clothes, moonshine washing line. They suit him fine. On the wall hung a tall mirror, distorted view, see-through, baby blue. He dug it. So what, I dig it. Dig what, it. He, what he what he what what I'm taking from this is he's he's stealing clothes from the the washing lines. Yeah, and then he's just going home, and he's full on Silence of the Lambing this Pretty shit. Pretty much, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we're on the same page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man. Also, in other news, yes, Young Sid Barrett was hot. Cool. I'm not shocked. <laughs> so he's doing the thing where he steals clothes off hangers, and he's collecting them. And later on the song, he mentions now he's caught a nasty sort of person. They gave him time. Doors bang, Chan gain. He hates it. Don't do it again. Which he went to jail. Yeah, he went to jail for stealing yeah. clothes. Yeah, <laughs> I just for stealing a mouthful of bread. <laughs> he's just like in ladies under. It has to be ladies underwear because when is it assume. not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's stealing dresses and weird shit. Not weird shit, but you know, he's yeah, being so, weird about it. So yeah, it's basically like. What's that? What's that guy's name from Silence of the Lambs? I forgot. Uh, Buffalo Bill. Buffalo Bill. Buffalo yeah, Bill. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's just a '60s. Except, I mean, in Sid's case, it, it, the song narrative, he was stealing clothes. Um, in Silence of the Lambs, he was stealing skin. Uh, it's a bit different. A bit different. <laughs> it's, it's an order of magnitude more severe. <laughs> yeah, the th- yeah, thievery. Yeah, yeah. I'm really failing to see the gap here. <laughs> <laughs> you start stealing cookies and eventually you're stealing faces. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like you just want to, you know, my first theft was Pottery Barn and I stole a nice, you know, ceramic bowl to eat my cereal out of. And then, you know, three years later, you know, I didn't see it coming, but I'm eating cereal out of a severed human skull. And, you know, I just. <laughs> That'll happen. I failed just, to it, see the it's gap. It's just a gradient, you know, <laughs> just goes, it just leads from one thing to another. You know, first thing, petty theft you know next thing you know grave robbing yeah gradients yeah <laughs> i mean they're really the same thing yeah good thing we have laws for this sort of thing right does bang bang, bang. <laughs> we're at the point now so they have their first dp these are like 19 year old kids um they're playing around cambridge everybody loves them things are looking good they get signed to emi what about uh, what era are we looking at this is mid 60s Yep, like sixty-five ish. Okay, right now. yeah. So the Beatles, it's pretty early. So the Beatles have already broken and gone to America. So people, mm-hmm. so people are more aware of British music. I oh, guess yeah. that's just where I'm going with. Oh yeah, definitely. So the Rolling Stones and the Beatles were already like a thing, okay. and they're already going to America, coming back, doing all that stuff. Um, Sid obviously like loved the Beatles and the Rolling Stones because they're hometown, from nearby. Yep. Hometown boys do good. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But also, isn't this the era of the Beatles? So they're like, I wanna hold your hand. Why are you making that song sound bad? Because I, I can't sing, Dallas. Oh, oh yeah, I forget. I forget wow, yeah. you asshole. So you got to like make it a, a bit. Yeah. So then you're not subjected to, hey, your singing sucks. 
exactly. I have to make it Got a bit. It. I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna be like. I wanna hold your hand. Yeah, I'm not gonna like. See, I'll take that and I'll, I'll auto tune it. <laughs> oh god, <laughs> and it's gonna sound awful, <laughs> beautiful. So they get signed to EMI, and the deal includes recording the album, which means you get unlimited studio time in EMI Studios. So with a with a smaller royalty percentage, and I guess maybe that was a decision because like. Sometimes these things take a long time and sometimes you can do them over overnight, but let's just like play the safe card yeah. and get unlimited time mm-hmm. and then get less money. I guess it depends if you have an album kind of already ready to go and you know exactly what you want to do. Whereas you could, mm-hmm. you know, cash in on that a little faster. Yeah. You know, what's yeah. funny is that John Cage, uh, when he was doing 422, um, he also signed up for unlimited studio time. And no one knows why. Hmm. Hmm. At the same time though, um, <laughs> Uh, time kills creativity so uh, in my in my experience where it's like well i am alive and i have a guitar so something will happen eventually right <laughs> wrong that is not how it works yeah no <laughs> yeah. sometimes you need a deadline <laughs> yeah like give it say hey new guitar player self i'm gonna give myself three days to write a whole song that's four minutes or something like that and then you'll actually do it but anyway whatever moving on attempted to re-record Arnold Lane for the first album, mm-hmm. The Piper at the Gates of Dawn, um, but it obviously didn't go well because it's not on the album. And I guess so, they just went with the EP version. With Boyd. Boyd is the... Boyd is the one that did Arnold Lane for them, and then they signed to he EMI. He recorded it, or he was... He, he produced it. Produced yeah. it. Oh, okay. gotcha. Yeah, the first one. So he's... He, as far as I know, he's not involved with the EMI at Piper at the Gates of Dawn, mm-hmm. which is the first Pink Floyd album. But, moving on on and so on august 4th 1967 that's when the piper gates of dawn was born and then later on in 71 a lot of the recordings they didn't use is put on a um relics which is the blue album mm. but oh okay. it, it didn't necessarily come out in the order that things were recorded so if you guys it's kind of a jumble y- yeah it's just kind of Here's like a, this whole story like is kind of a jumble. It's like yeah. a bunch of, it's like a yeah. bunch of B-sides. Yeah. Yeah. Here's all the shit we didn't have a place for on the other albums. Enjoy. But yeah, that's what you can actually buy if you want to listen to Arnold Land, like on vinyl or something. You go buy yeah, Relic. Relics. And that's Interesting. technically 71, but a lot of the songs are recorded like fucking six years before that. Yeah, yeah. So they go on, they record Piper the Gates of Dawn. It lands pretty successfully. I think in like 2012 or something, um, they declared it like 357th out of 500 best rock and roll albums of all time. But if you go and listen to it and you don't like it, that's okay. If you do like it, awesome. Great. <laughs> Not pushing it on you. It's pretty specific. <laughs> yeah, it's fu- it's fine. <laughs> yeah. I really, really enjoyed it when I was younger. Right. Anyway. And then in the next following year, in 1968, they went on to record Saucer Full of Secrets in a similar type deal setting. Um, and now Sid basically has rounded out three full albums with his band. They're touring all the time. Time to go to the U.S. No, that's that. they're literally on the plan, uh, every, doing everything right. They are on the 60s rock and roll plan to success yes. at this <laughs> point. Now that Sid's hitting his early to mid-20s, an unfortunate number of other people can relate to this, and he starts to show signs of schizophrenia. Oh, dear. Yep. That's nah, unfortunate. Yep. Did he seem to be, like, of the paranoid variety, or just the your regular run-of-the-mill schizophrenic? Uh, the kind that just doesn't say anything ever. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, like, 
I'm going to sit here and think about all the possible things that I could do in life. And then, well, if I start doing one of those things, I close the doors on the other possibilities in my life. So I'm just going to sit here all day and listen to the voices inside my head schizophrenic. Yeah. I know very little about schizophrenia, but like if you're, I would imagine if you are starting to have delusions and don't want to, like if you're having full on delusions, you wouldn't want to then talk to them. Right. So you might as well just not say anything. Yeah, it might be one of those. Yeah, and and I don't think he was ever officially diagnosed with schizophrenia, but the whole arc just spells well, yeah, it to it's a also, T. It's also the '60s, and that thing that was it was a fairly new diagnosis at mm-hmm. that point, and nobody was really equipped to deal with it. Yeah, you would have gotten the town's fan sand treatment. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yes, go listen to that episode <laughs> in the archive. Yeah. Boop a boo. <laughs> so Sid's more than recreational drug habit, coupled with his new. Um, symptoms Hmm. (laughs) uh it gets messy and i think it was was it mark david chapman that killed john lennon yes was he the schizophrenic acid head yes okay yeah with the blue people and stuff on the walls okay yeah the little the little people yeah 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 i think there was a a few other examples but yeah like just don't do acid but it wasn't that simple i mean i've i'm not a schizophrenic and I've done acid, and I will also say, don't do acid. <laughs> <laughs> what was the, the the little log friend that? <laughs> oh. oh, my God! So a friend of mine and I did acid at the beach one day, and it, we were the beach was such that you could walk out for like a hundred f- yards, and it would still be chest high water. That's yeah, fairly shallow. It, fairly shallow. It was ch- it, yeah, it was great, and it was summer, and there was a log that was floating in the ocean, and so we went and got the log, and we rode the log and we made friends with the log and we named the log Kenny Loggins. Like you do. And then when we pushed him out to sea, we were very sad. Because <laughs> we so, were saying goodbye to our friends. So why not do acid then? Because it's 12 hours. Oh, yeah, yeah. far too long. <laughs> Just you and a waterlogged log. That's also the best time I had doing acid. Um, oh, I thought you only did it once. No, I've done it a couple times, and that's the only time that's that I can, I can go back and be like, that was great. The other times I was like, mm, I'd rather not. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Fair. <laughs> I like shrooms better anyway. Yeah. Anyway, um, my name is Alex Van Bronckhorst, and uh, that story was a lie. I don't do drugs. Well, you're playing a character <laughs> called Alex. Yes, I'm playing a character called Alex. Yeah, you can play a character that's still your name. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there may or may not be your In real name. In which case, the character of Alex does all the drugs. Uh, me, myself. Yeah, <laughs> drugs, like, what? Wouldn't touch the stuff. Man, character Alex sounds like a real cool guy. So yeah. LSD definitely started taking a toll on Sid at this point in time. <laughs> and by the time C. Emily Play came out, Nobody, it was a, another song they released with mm-hmm. Boyd, and nobody had seen him for, for months. Hmm. That's and not good. No. Yeah. So, and it's also, there's no texting or driving over there. Again, like, 60s. So. You're not home. You don't exist. Send him a postcard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Send him a postcard. That's all he wanted. Nobody's seen him in months. He didn't show up to a scheduled rehearsal on a Friday. Like, they just had a bunch of recording and stuff. They were taking a break. Mm-hmm. Friday comes around where it's time to have band practice. He doesn't show up. David Gilmore finally finds him on Monday. And he said, quote, he was changed as a person. He didn't appear to recognize me at first. He just kind of, like, looked right through you. 
and his eyes were black holes in the sky. Mm. So that's pretty intense. Mm. He, way blew, to he blew his fucking mind out. So yeah, he he disappeared for months on what had to have been an acid bender. I would assume so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And took way too much, and then coupled with the new onset symptoms of probably schizophrenia. Again, no, never diagnosed, but right. some sort probably of, some sort of mental illness. Yeah, who yeah. knows where the fuck he went or what he did? And that's, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, the the inspiration for the the song or and the lyrics for uh, "Shine on You, Crazy Diamond." Yeah, black holes uh, in the sky. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Most definitely. Well, I mean, you know, Jesus, we don't know anything about his life from like 12 to 30. Who knows what he was doing? So maybe he was doing something like that. (laughs) Now that we're coming on this initial fallout bender spiral, time to go to the U.S. Like you do. Yeah. (laughs) So nothing says being able to take care of your mental illnesses and drug addictions like going to the United States. (laughs) Yeah. God bless America. (laughs) Deep cut. Everything's terrible. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It wasn't so bad. It was actually really bad. It was back awful. Then. Yeah. <laughs> it's just as bad now. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing has improved. Sad. Anyway. So, part of their US tour was to go on the Pat Boone show. Pat Boone. Pat Boone show <laughs> in the sixties. Yeah, he was he was a famous like country bluesy singer. <laughs> yeah. Very Christian. <laughs> So they did this thing where, you know, you're all in the studio, it's almost showtime, and let's like mime our, we're going to mime playing the song, and then we're going to pump it over the speaker or whatever, right? Like, because, you know, like a lot most, of the time- Most shows do. Yeah, yeah they yeah. still do that. To yeah, they day. still do that. They yeah. don't, they're not actually playing, but, no. you know, they got to pretend to play- and then make it look good. It's yeah, all it a performance. Good. And if you're a band like Nirvana or Muse, you will switch up your- bandmates because you hate the fact that it's piped in and it looks hilarious yeah it is pretty funny (laughs) (laughs) yeah i did there was the one uh i forgot which concert it was where it was right after smells like teen spirit came out and everybody only wanted to hear that song Mm -hmm. so they they were at this huge concert with thousands of people and they played the album version through the pa and then they just like dopely pretended to play it and then they went on with the rest of their set yeah. and i was like i kind of like that that's kind of fun <laughs> muse did a similar thing where they um w- resented the fact that they had to play a canned version or, or pantomime to a canned version of their song i don't remember what song it was but they would um change the the bandmates around so matt bellamy the singer would oh, play yeah, the yeah. drums the drum would play the guitar the guitarist yeah, would they're the all singing. just they're faking it anyway they're all faking it so it would just be like you know the big giant drummer with matt bellamy's voice coming out of him you're just like <laughs> all right it's pretty funny <laughs> uh, yeah that's a thing <laughs> totally falling for this so yeah they would do the takes and he'd be like smiling and like yeah i'm playing my song and singing woo whoa yeah and then it'd be time to record it and he'd just stand there mm. Just being a real dick about it. Cut. <laughs> All right, let's try one more practice one. Let's do this again. Playing my guitar. All right, let's do it for real. Stands there again. Yep. Freeze. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just being difficult. I, he's being intentionally difficult. <laughs> I really you think no, it's really hard to tell if he's doing anything on purpose. <laughs> That's fair. fair. Yeah. So, and then another kind of shortly thereafter, they went to go play at the Fillmore West. And instead of playing the show, okay, it's time to go. Let's do the thing. Get on stage. Drum roll. 
push him with like one of those one of those sticks that you use for shot or yeah. not for a shuffleboard just like <laughs> kind of like pushing him on stage yeah the opposite of the cane <laughs> oh shit you overshot him <laughs> <laughs> he like falls off the but you got <laughs> but you got three points yeah. <laughs> so they went to go play at the Fillmore. there and the whole band's playing and sid's just standing there just starts strumming his guitar and detuning it <laughs> for like five minutes the band stops playing he's still like wrong and that's how corn was invented <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so he's being a he's being a difficult little yeah, he's being he's a being, difficult dylan <laughs> being a little tool bag yeah cl- a classic uh kind of that rock and roll shithead yeah yeah i mean it's not as bad as jim morrison no, no. At all. You mean Mr. Mojo Rising? Yeah. <laughs> Him. He also probably wasn't as drunk as Jim Morrison. Drunk and LSD people are very different uh, mayhem causers. This is very, very true. Yeah. <laughs> so he's just he's just not even really present at this point. So the whole U.S. tour was cut short, and the whole band, you know, didn't really know whether to laugh at him or hit him or be super upset because they were, but he's writing all the songs. So what are we going to do? Let's ooh, just go home and ooh, take a break. Let me guess. Their solution was to laugh while crying and beating him up. Yeah. Just all combine all three. Just drowning. <laughs> because drowning as someone suffering tears. from uh, schizophrenia and um, overdosing of uh, LSD, I'm sure that would be probably the calmest thing to happen to them. Oh, yeah. Lots time. of screaming, lots of uh, finger pointing. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Laughing while sobbing and hitting. Yeah, I, I mean, that just sounds like a Thursday night. Mm, it's fun times. It's wild Thursday night. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Thursday night's also all right for fighting. <laughs> I know it's a different artist, yeah. but, you know. But I, I do like I like the John. joke. <laughs> <laughs> so they get home, and in the downtime, Sid's still writing and playing and practicing and all this stuff, and he starts writing songs like Vegetable Man, which never made it onto an album. I can't imagine why. But Vegetable Man is... An- I am a carrot. <laughs> no. <laughs> I am Broccoli Man. No. <laughs> So basically, better, closer, warmer. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like him, just like drooling, staring off in the distance, but with a microphone in front of him. <laughs> just looking in his fridge. <laughs> Not far off. So, vegetable. Is it, is it an album just of him, his impression of Christopher Reeves? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> so he writes Vegetable Man. It's basically a song depicting himself as other people are telling him he's acting like so he's still not taking responsibility for his actions mm-hmm. in a weird way he's upset people are calling him out on his shit yeah and he's like but can't like actually internalize that he, that is him doing it he's he can't like figure it out yeah performing that that's the whole like character. social processing is kind of the the motor is gone mm. at that point so mm. he's having a really hard time figuring anything out but it basically writes a song about how he used to wear all these colorful outlet outlet colorful outfits and everybody loves him and he was writing good songs and he was like can't understand why that's not happening anymore yeah it went away for him and yeah now he's like wearing black and all this stuff and part of the song goes i've been looking all over for the i've been looking all over the place for me but he ain't anywhere a vegetable man Hmm. and so he shows this to the band and they're like that's kind of on the nose. <laughs> Let's not record it. <laughs> you doing okay there, buddy? But you can look it up on YouTube. I actually like that song a lot. It sounds 
fucking awesome. Hmm. I'll have to check that out. Mm-hmm. Despite of Sid's problems, they continue relentlessly touring across the UK, and especially when Jimi Hendrix got to the UK and he started playing, they'd tag along right with them because they're right in the same kind of kind of vein, like psychedelic mm. rock and roll stuff. Yeah, acid oh, yeah. rock. Yeah, and so they couldn't just give up now, even though you have like difficult man that wrote all the songs. Yeah, you got the vegetable man. <laughs> you, you, have, you have vegetable man here, but we're gonna have to just power through this one, guys, because because fucking Jimmy's <laughs> Jimmy's here. <laughs> Jimmy is here. We'll fix and it later. Like, <laughs> That's my impression of Jimi Hendrix. It's exactly what he sounded like. Speaking normally. <laughs> yeah, and in a desperate attempt to help them, I mean, especially in the 60s, they tried to take them to therapy. And most of the time, they couldn't even get them through the door. Um, but when, when they did, he, he, the therapist would be like, okay, so like, what's going on in your life? Are, are, were therapists in the 60s like that? Or were they like, our method of uh, intervention is to seal them in a giant metal drum and roll them down a hill <laughs> we find it cold maybe that's why it didn't work <laughs> like maybe i don't know i don't know what the state of uh i bet of it was mental health care in the 60s was in terms of therapy i but... bet it was a lot of freud and that type of shit but oh, like okay. the classic idea of where you're basically sitting on a chaise lounge and telling him how all the fucked up dreams you have and they're like oh yep yep fucking your mom fucking your <laughs> exactly mom, fucking yeah. your mom. <laughs> being jealous of your dad's dick also fucking your mom <laughs> well, i mean that's what's fucking uh that uh the door song is <laughs> this is the end is about <laughs> really yeah yeah where they remember there's the lead before it all kicks off is like mother <laughs> i want to <laughs> or uh, father i'd like to kill you mother i'd like to and then he goes off <laughs> gotcha yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad. <laughs> yeah i have not listened to that song yet <laughs> well it's Awkward the end pause uh <laughs> <laughs> don't worry we're not covering jim morrison right now i'll put on the thing when i do him later <laughs> so therapy wasn't really working whenever he would actually sit down and talk to a therapist he would do the weird condescending thing like, are you sure that's Sid's problem or my problem? Like mm. doing the weird alter ego thing yeah. uh-huh. and not, <laughs> and not like, taking any... No, they're no. just like, yes. <laughs> so Sid was in such a bad way that they called in their old friend, David Gilmore, to cover his ass. Then four became five and Pink Floyd. And this is right around 1968, if I'm not too mistaken on that. Okay. David would learn how to play Sid's parts and sing all of his songs as he'd fill in and out of playing on stage. So, like, when Sid would just stop playing... He would would take over. He would literally be waiting in the wings. Kind of. Yeah, like, he's always playing guitar. But then, like, Sid would stop singing and David's like, okay, I'm going to finish these lyrics for... Oh, you're singing again? Okay. Oh, so he would be on stage at the same time. Oh, that's very frustrating. Interesting. (laughs) And, And... from what I could tell through all these, the research is like Sid didn't even really notice. Probably not. No, he doesn't yeah. even notice you stop. It's like when you've been driving for a really long time and then you notice you haven't been keeping your foot on the gas. And it's like, why am I slowing down? <laughs> or when you get home and you don't remember, remember how. how yeah, you that, just that's went on autopilot and you like your yeah. brain blinked out and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> I'm Ugh. home now. I was doing yeah. stuff. <laughs> I guess I'm here. That's an actually pretty good analogy. So David would be behind him, filling in the gaps, and in very English fashion, they had this big problem with Sid, right? So they just kept ignoring it and ignoring it until the day came where they just didn't pick him up for practice. Hmm. And just (laughs) passive-aggressively just fucking moved on. Yep, and David pretty much took his spot at that point. Huh. I mean, I get it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But at the same time, they're never like, 
hey, are you okay? There's like, oh, something's wrong with Sid. Shame about that. Mm. <laughs> Such a sh- I'm arranging matches. <laughs> Shame if we just drove by. <laughs> oh, look well, at that. There, there We're we driving go. by. I think he'd by. better go. I think he'd better had. <laughs> <laughs> he's a difficult person to deal with. Clearly. <laughs> yeah. No, he's, ha- he's having some issues. So after leaving the band in January of 1968, he was kind of bopping around in a, in a very fragile, mentally ill state, um, sharing flats and couches and hopping around until he ended up um, at a flat with his painter friend. So in proper Sid fashion, he immediately painted all the floorboards, <laughs> but he didn't prepare the floor at all. Of course not. So it just kind of half dried in places and didn't take in others. And you can see these beautifully painted floorboards on the cover of Madcap Laughs, which is Sid's first solo album that we're getting into now. (laughs) Madcap Laughs? The Madcap. Madcap. The Madcap Laughs. laughs, Oh, that's the one with uh, Terrapin on it? Yes. Terrapin. I really like that song, Terrapin. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Very good songs. So, despite all his issues, the drugs didn't quit. And this is what I call the double down. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Woof. Yeah, so... Didn't work for KFC, and I'm sure it's not going to work for Sid is it? either, is it? No, it's not. So he got really into Madrax, which are basically the Quaalude equivalent in the 60s. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so... It was like the British version or just like a brand or something? So what, what, what I could tell is basically the same exact drug. It's just called something else. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so they're Quaaludes. And... They slow down your nervous system. They give you a really euphoric effect. And apparently they also make you really fucking horny, which sucks because you're all slowed down and you can't get off. But like, <laughs> but you want to fuck. Yeah. yeah. So not a good combo of side effects. Loots, it turns out, weren't good for society. <laughs> no, they weren't. I mean, we watched Wolf on Wall Street. <laughs> <laughs> so this super evil fucking drug and Sid's the kind of person where I don't particularly think he ever got addicted to anything he would he was what do they call that nowadays a garbage head a guy who just, just take anything it's in front there of him. i'll take it yeah yeah so you you show him a handful of pills and he's like, pills i don't fucking care just give me them yeah <laughs> so his friend gave him three madrax or quaaludes or whatever we want to call them mm. and so shortly thereafter he was foaming at the mouth on the ground and had to go to the er for an overdose jesus <laughs> great yeah. It's a good start. Love it. Great, love, love that for him. Great solo life, Sid start. He really doesn't need anybody to look after him. No, no, he's just gotten yeah, abandoned no, by the band he started, and uh, yeah, he's, he's totally be fine. fine. He yeah. needs no, you know, supervision or safety net or, or help. Uh, no, yeah, no, 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 not at all. He's got to pull fine. himself. He's got to pull himself up by his bootstraps. <laughs> I mean, it might not invite him to the next barbecue, but you know, he's he's fine. He's cool. He's chill. <laughs> so he's still. Surprisingly, relentlessly pursuing his music and decided to do the solo album, The Madcap Laughs. And after several false starts with different teams of people, I can only imagine what happened. Right. Right. (laughs) Weirdly enough, David Gilmour comes in and takes the responsibility of producing the album for him. And I can imagine how awkward that was. Yeah, still trying to help his friend out, I guess. Yeah, like, (laughs) I took your spot and we're better now but I feel bad. So let me right. produce your whole and record your whole album <laughs> that you're trying to do. Yeah. And mm-hmm. my favorite 
little piece from their time together recording the album is the song Dominoes, which is on the playlist. On the track Dominoes, David Gilmour weirdly played drums. He's not a drummer, but mm. he did them anyway. Seems like a real uh, utility player, uh, Gilmour, in this band. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's, he's doing the whole thing. <laughs> Damn it. But, uh, so he spent all day trying to track the guitar part, right? So, you know, a lot of the times when you record a song, you do all the rhythm stuff first, mm-hmm. and then you get the, like, leads in there, and then you go do the, the vocals at the end, so everything's there, and you have all your cues. So they're at the point where they just need the guitar part. And they spent all day trying to figure it out. Nothing's working. And so Sid's like, hey, let's flip the tape over and play it backwards. Okay. That's just so oh, crazy. Right. So it you, might work. So when you flip a tape over, it just sounds... Yeah, no. yeah it sounds like you're going in reverse. <laughs> yeah, it just sounds crazy, especially psychedelic rock. Oh, uh, yeah, I didn't even think yeah, of yeah, reverse. Yeah. So he tracks his guitar to the song backwards. So instead of A, G, and B, I'm going to play B, G, and A. Hmm. And then they flip the tape over, and it fucking worked. Huh. <laughs> so... I thought that was kind of wild. That's that is interesting. <laughs> so so they re- he recorded music that based on what he would hear if it were backwards and mm-hmm. then flipped the tape. Yep, to so listen he to rever- it he reversed what he would play so that when you flip the tape it would have the B. same chord progression that you would listen that you would intend but it was the sound was just backwards. No, okay, so you're listening to headphones while you're recording a track into a song. Mm-hmm. So he did that backwards. They yeah, played the song. Backwards. The song was backwards while he was playing. And then you have to physically flip the tape back over to play it right side again. And the guitar comes out just the way you recorded it, but backwards. So, and it sounded great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the sound of the guitar strumming was played in reverse, but the chord progression was in the correct order. Yeah interesting yeah it was a, that's an interesting way to yeah. record <laughs> sane people don't do these things <laughs> no no it's, it's an insane way to record but it's brilliant in its own way <laughs> yeah so that worked out and um so if you listen to dominoes off that album uh, that's the way the the guitar was tracked neat hmm. yeah so my and if you want to go listen to the two sid barrett solo albums um the madcap laughs and barrett um my two favorite off those were... Those are the best. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked Baby Lemonade and Octopus. I really like Baby Lemonade. Baby Lemonade. Baby Lemonade. That one, and I also, the Batcap Laughs, I really, really like Terrapin. Like, that one is, yeah. like, so chill. It was a very good song. <laughs> also, a Terrapin, I believe, is a type of turtle. I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. Makes sense why it's so chill. Yeah. Also, I mean, he has lyrics, and they're like, fi- you know, fins and and teeth and underwater and all this sort of yeah. uh, <laughs> lyrical imagery. Imagery. Yeah, he is pretty good at painting pictures. So in 1970, Sid finally made a live appearance after not being on stage for years. Yeah, almost yeah. like three years, two years, something like yeah, that. Yeah, two or three years. And he super awkwardly played three songs so he had a drummer and a, a bass guy like playing his solo stuff with them mm-hmm. and so he he was playing playing the songs playing the songs doing the thing doing great everything sounds good and then right at the end of the third song he just goes boop puts his guitar down walks off stage doesn't say anything and the drummer and the bass player are like what <laughs> uh 
Okay, I guess we'll do the same. We'll just leave. Hmm. We're all leaving now. We're all leaving. This is over. So don't even look at the instruments. <laughs> don't even look at it. Don't Good even. Night, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> he comes on for his uh, encore. He's like, I've got a drum set. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> so in 1972, um, so do you guys know who Mick Rock is? He's no. like a really famous. Uh, it doesn't matter. It, like a producer, isn't he? He's a really famous, uh, like rock and roll oh, picture guy. He did a bunch of Bowie stuff. Yeah, uh, he, most famously, that's yeah. what he's most famous. He during uh, Bowie's Ziggy Stardust uh, mm-hmm. era. Is yeah, he a I, photographer? Yep. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, he took a bunch of photos. He hung out with Bowie for a long time. He did all the Lou Reed and the Queen stuff, like the Queen album cover with the hands and the black. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's a prolific um, uh, photographer in the rock scene. Interesting. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, he he's a little late to the boat here, but. <laughs> In 1972, so this is about a year after Sid played his last show, um, he he hooks up with him because he's passing through town or whatever, gets his contact info, goes and takes a bunch of pictures of him. And you guys, I was just bringing that up so like our listeners could go check out those Mick Rock pictures. Yeah, of he, Sid he, his name's he always Mick, does. M-I-C-K-R-O-C-K? Mm-hmm. Yep. He's also a writer too. He wrote a book on Bowie uh, just based on his time with him. Um, oh, yeah. oh, it's pretty. That's pretty interesting as well. Hmm. Yeah, we might just like cover him one day. That would be a good interesting topic. Yeah. Put it on the whiteboard! <laughs> <laughs> on the rock and roll whiteboard. <laughs> Nothing more rock and roll than a whiteboard. Hell yeah. But we're using Sharpies. Because <laughs> we're hardcore. Because we're, we're punks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Kill me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sid, pops up, uh, Sid pops up a lot later in Pink Floyd's songs and movies and art. And all kinds of stuff. So in 1984, Pink Floyd released the movie The Wall, mm-hmm. which I, I know it's it's hard to watch. There's a lot going on, but there is a storyline and a main character hidden in there somewhere. Yeah, no, the the story of Pink. <laughs> yeah, and Pink is Sid. So mm-hmm. um, if you guys want to go rewatch that after listening to this, you'd kind of have some context to the, the oh, story of the movie. That makes a lot more sense, actually, because I've yeah. only seen it once when I was a teenager. Just happened on it when it was on cable. Because uh, that was a thing that could happen in the early two oh, thousands. Yeah, 2000s. yeah I was like, <laughs> let's go smoke weed and then watch the wall because we're like so. No, hardcore. exactly. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's a it's the point where it's so good it becomes cliche, much like yeah. listening to Dark Side like stoned in your basement. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> so there's a there's a scene in the in the wall, for example, where um, the camera kind of pans in and there's this dude sitting in the chair, which said. And he has a, the full cigarette has burnt out, so it's like two inches of ash, and it's burning the inside of his fingers, but he's just staring into space. Hmm. Um, th- that's a, apparently something that Roger witnessed Sid do, just super despondent states where he just... Just sat there and let a whole cigarette... And, um, yeah. um, burn down. Word? Uh, disassociated. disassociated. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, just yeah. totally disassociated. Which I love staring into space, but not enough to burn my fans on a cigarette. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, Which I think just goes to show how deep his mental illness mm-hmm. did go and how much it affected him. Yeah, and it is really sad because the, the whole, I mean, I don't think they've ever really said this, but the whole Wish You Were Here album is just about Sid. Yes, yeah. even the, the title is. such a good, good album. album. I think it's my favorite Pink Floyd That's album. That's the one with... <laughs> With uh, so it starts out with have uh, a cigar. Yeah, like, have a cigar. I love that song. Yeah. yeah, it's a good one. It's all about like getting signed and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, blowing and by up. By the way, which one's pink? Well, it's Sid, but that, also that no one. one's pink. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird exactly. thing. 
kind of like an inside joke, but also a nickname. But anyway, so yeah, because you have Shine Crazy Diamond, you have Welcome to the Machine, you have Have a Cigar, and then you also have Wish You Were Here, and then the last part of Shine Crazy Diamond. So yeah, that is um, a great album. So good. And the cover is. They've never said this either, but I am I'm just throwing out my own it's, theory it's here. All, little it's Dallas right theory. there. It yeah. is like that makes complete sense. Yeah, and so the cover and in, in my Humble take opinion. is <laughs> David Gilmore shaking hands with the man on fire, and the man on fire is Sid, and they're both like businessmen. Yeah, they, they both look the same because mm-hmm. he's like, I'm gonna take your place. You're on a fire mentally. Right. And I'm like totally fine, so No, Thanks. that makes sense. So the the, the metaphor is right there. Yeah. It's such a good album. <laughs> it's, it's really great. Oh my god. And, and that picture of wonderful symbolism went on to adorn many dorm rooms throughout <laughs> colleges throughout time. Yes. I mean it was in my room. That and the one with all the you know, the women have the albums painted on their asses. I had that in my room too. Of course I, you did. A friend of mine had that in her room too. And I was just like one time wow. I had, I was dating a girl that may or may not have had self-conscious issues and she saw the Pink Floyd ass thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I just didn't think, I just thought it was a cool thing. So I got a poster or whatever, even what do you want from me? And she was like, yeah, those are pretty good butts, but like they don't, they don't have anything on my ass. And I was like, okay. <laughs> don't, 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 literally, All right. <laughs> don't um, literally write a check. Your ass can't cash. <laughs> I mean, she also this wrong, poster is not about you. That, yeah, it was weird. Anyway, mm, strange. <laughs> so, when Pink Floyd went in to do the Shine on You Crazy Diamond sessions in 1975, those so the first they they bookend each other where you have parts one through four, and then you have parts five through eight um, at the first half and the last half of the album and then all the other three songs are inside mm. so they had to go in and like there's part one part two part three part four. like they had to go do all eight parts super long song and so in 1975 they go in to record it richard white the piano player walks in to the studio and he like looks at the producer and he's looking through the glass he's like who is that guy yeah, player. <laughs> well, he wasn't playing. He was just like hanging out in oh, the studio. Okay. He's like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" And he's like, "Oh, that's Sid." And he was like, "What? <laughs> Who?" <laughs> because he had shaven his eyebrows and his whole head. Oh no! And he went from like 140 pounds to 240 pounds. In how long was this? Seven years of no contact. So okay, and they were recording what again? The Shine On You Crazy Diamond sessions for Wish You Were Here. The whole oh, okay. Album. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They're recording the album, basically. And he, Sid, like, showed up to, like, say hi. Yeah. yeah. Hey, but he's guys. completely different. Yeah. literally shaved everything I've off. got no eyebrows. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so Sorry, Richard. I'm going to keep doing it. Richard Wright just, you know, like, totally, like, breaks down and starts crying. And, like, David Gilmore shows up. And he's like, don't go in there. Well, yeah, he looks like a fucking ghoul. If you've, uh, I saw the picture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a picture. You can find, like, the quote-unquote last picture of Sid Barrett or whatever it is. But he basically looked like that for the last 38 years of his life. Yeah, looking like the guy from Adam's family. Yeah, basically. Uncle Fester. Un- Uncle Not Fester. great. But yeah, Not that's why I brought up. Self. That's why I brought up the exactly. Mick Rock pictures because you can look at that and then you can say it only took it's an a int- couple years for him to turn into this. It's an interesting then. juxtaposition of uh yeah the two <laughs> yeah. two people. So um, now it or well kind of 
after that he he doesn't really like getting in contact with people from his past anymore i don't I'm sure he listened to Wish You Were Here, but who knows if he could even figure out that it was about himself. Well, and it's hard to have self-esteem when all of your former friends and bandmates then upon seeing you. you (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Boom! Fuck happened to you? Yeah. (laughs) Don't go in there! It's a horror show! (laughs) And you just wanted to drop by and say hi to your buddies. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so in 1978, he left Chelsea for the last time. Walked all the way back to Cambridge, which is like a 19-hour walk. It's a long walk. But Jesus. he just walked. He said, fuck, fuck it. it, I'm done. And he <laughs> walked away. And unfortunately, on July 7th, of 2006, he passed away at age 60. But he wrote some awesome fucking music and started Pink Floyd. Now, so you can thank him for Pink Floyd. Now, <laughs> when Pink Floyd went into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, did he go in with them? Or That's it, a good question. I, yeah, I'm just curious. And what did he, I mean, was he mostly uh, kept to himself in the time period between walking away from Pink Floyd in the mid-70s to when he died at, in almost, 2000? And almost 30 years later. Yeah, like, well, what so, did he do during that time? Was he still so making he, music? He, was left, he, just... he left Pink Floyd officially in, like, 68. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he got both of his solo albums out by 70, 71. Mm, which is when he went to visit. Yep. And, and Well, so he got both his solo albums out. He started playing again. I did his last live show. And then he moved back in with... I probably failed to mention that. He moved back in with his parents or his mom. Oh, okay. Um, in the early, early 70s. And didn't talk to pink floyd at all for like seven years and then showed up at the showed up okay Mm -hmm. and and then between that time and his death nothing nothing interesting just lived his own life yep he just quietly lived just just a guy in cambridge yep just Mm. living his life away do you know if he ever got did you find out in your research if he ever got any additional help for being schizophrenic nothing you don't there's like almost zero on that Mm. time of his life so interesting damn. yeah hmm. well, what a what a what a tragic story but a uh interesting cautionary tale <laughs> don't yeah. do drugs kids yeah go to therapy yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> or if you're gonna do drugs at least be talented <laughs> no 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 you've got it all wrong the drugs make you talented That's do drugs perfect. absolutely true <laughs> then yeah. why am i not talented yet <laughs> you didn't do enough hmm Thanks for tuning in to Rocktanica. You can send us an email if you'd like to suggest an episode or a topic at sowdylearn at gmail.com. Please rate and review us on the iTunes, but listen to us wherever you want. And don't forget, on Spotify, type in Rocktanica. You'll find all the playlists for all of our episodes that we've ever done. And you can sweet, listen to those. Bone yeah. Yes. And we do have uh, two other uh, podcasts on our network. One is So, What Did You Learn? Uh, where we learn from other people's mistakes so you don't have to. Uh, and the other is The Seven Bells, which is a book podcast. Uh, please tune in and read along. And all three of those podcasts can be reached through the email so, wdylearn at gmail.com. You got it. Yeah. Yep. Right. Get it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. Cue the guitars. Wee wee. <laughs> <laughs>